Hello and welcome to Twin Talk. This is Angie and I'm here with my sister Joy and we are going to discuss yet another great book, The Great Gatsby. So Joy, just you want to tell our listeners real quickly, what has been your experience with The Great Gatsby? Have you read the book? Have you seen any movies about it? So I think I remember reading the book in high school, but I'm not 100% sure. It was either high school or college was my first experience, and I remember I liked it. I thought it was really good, and I couldn't Mm -hmm. tell you why. Then fast forward many years later, and I don't know why. I just, one summer, a few summers ago, I was like, you know, I would like to read that book as an adult. And I I actually listened to it on Audible, and I was like, oh, I want to go see the movie. And I'd already seen the Robert Redford version, but I wanted to see the new Leo DiCaprio version. Mm-hmm. So I listened to the audiobook and then I watched the Leo Leonardo DiCaprio version of The Great Gatsby. <laughs> and I think that's pretty much my experience with it. Okay, that's funny you said that because I've never seen um either movie all the way through. I've only okay. seen bits and pieces. But I kept thinking, I'm sorry I love Leo Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. But I can't picture him. I, I never I always want to make him be like a what's eating Gilbert Grape. I want him to be the yeah. young Leo. And I don't mm-hmm. picture him doing leading roles as an adult male. Well I'll and I just have why. to say I was really impressed with his performance. He is in a good actor. The Great Gatsby. I thought he did a wonderful job and oh my gosh, this you know how I love looking at the old sets and costumes. Mm-hmm. Whoever did the sets and costumes on that, it it's worth watching it just to see the set. And yeah, and, and nothing, I'm not taking nothing away from him. I honestly think it's, I feel like he has a baby face. Yeah. And I feel mm-hmm. like his looks don't go with the part. Right. Does that make sense? You kind of forget about it as you watch yeah. the movie, I feel like. But, so you think it's probably worth watching the movie just oh, to see the sets. Definitely, and the, just to see the cars and the clothes and the sets. And uh, it's just beautiful. Oh, that's right, the, down your alley, because oh, you love the And I love uh, the 20s jazz and 30s. 20s. I love how they dressed. I love the music. Matter of fact, today at lunch, I found some real old jazz music on Spotify oh. that in Spanish, oh. <laughs> and it was so old you could even hear the record. You know, you mm. could tell it was like how you play the record, and you can hear that sound. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. Cool. Okay. Well. Well. So for me personally, I had never read the book. Can you believe that? And I have a feeling there's a lot of our listeners out there who's who've never read this. I mean, they may like be like me. They always wanted to read it, but just never got around to it. Um, so I'm just going to real quickly read. What made you decide to read it after all these years? Um, well, you and I were trying to think of books to do for the podcast. And you told me, you said, well, just look through my library. And so I looked at a lot of books that I knew you had already read. And that was one of them. Okay. And it was just a book I wanted to read. So I went ahead and listened to it. Um, so here's a summary of the book. Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel, The Great Gatsby, follows Jay Gatsby, a man who orders his life around one desire to be reunited with Daisy Buchanan, the love he lost five years earlier. Gatsby's quest leads him from poverty to wealth, into the arms of his beloved, and eventually to death. Published in 1925, The Great Gatsby is held as one of the foremost pieces of American fiction of its time. It is a novel of triumph and tragedy, noted for the remarkable way its author captures a cross-section of American society. In 1925, the novel served as a snapshot of the frenzied post-war society known as the Jazz Age. While today it provides readers with, among other things, a portal through which to observe life in the 1920s. Part of Fitzgerald's charm in The Great Gatsby, in fact, is his ability to encapsulate the mood of a generation during a politically and socially crucial and chaotic period of American history. I think you hit on something really important there in that summary. I think that's why I love the book so much, because 
it is like a glimpse into what life was like in the 20s. I know not for the average person, but you know, you get to kind of hear about how they dress and the music and what the houses look like, especially for the super wealthy. Mm -hmm. And it was just really interesting to me to, to get to kind of see into what it might what life might have looked like a little bit in the 20s oh yeah definitely this just hit me too mm -hmm. this is so surreal to me we are in the 20s oh oh gosh we are in our own. <laughs> 100 100 years later i've talked about to my husband about this hmm. you know i think how will we be remembered you know we hmm. look back to the 20s i think the roaring 20s and then hmm. the 30s you know i think the great depression 40s i think world war ii <laughs> i'm sorry but, the roaring 20s the covid yeah. 20s <laughs> yeah i know that's what it's i'm awful. saying 50s you know i think um at the hop you know mm -hmm. like uh, going to the hamburger the drive-in 60s love peace sex you know i can yeah. go on and on so yeah how 70s are we, hippies so 80s exercise and rock and roll yeah exercise <laughs> let's get physical yeah 90s grunge band i don't know <laughs> yeah. but how are we gonna be remembered wow joy that's when, a great it's deep question. i know yeah. but i'm like when when we say the 20s we think roaring 20s but now this is our own 20s mm -hmm. You're right. Are we going to just think, oh, COVID? Is that going to be the oh, key gosh, word? Oh, gosh, I hope not. I know. I, I don't want to be, yeah, I don't want this to be a time that's remembered as just the COVID years. That's I awful. Know, oh, but gosh. honestly, I can't think of any other word to coin it, to mm -hmm. phrase it. But, right. But have you ever thought about that? No. How we're, we're in the 20s <laughs> Yeah, now. I've never thought about that. And mm -hmm. that just reminds me that we are 100 years out from Yeah, we're 100 years out from this written. time period we're talking about. Yeah. So what do, what did you think of the book? I mean, what is your just kind of an overall impression, if you can sum it up? I just, I'm like so many people, I love the book. Mm. Um, like I said, I've, I've read it, I think I've read it twice, like I said, and I've listened to it once. I've seen the movie twice. Something about it, it's tragic, but it's intriguing, and it's just so interesting to me to see. Uh, the story is very intriguing, and it just keeps your attention, and... I don't know. There's just something so tragic about it. Tragic. That's a great word. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one thing I read when I was doing research on this book is I said, to remove the story from its full historical context is a grave injustice. The novel published in 1925 explores life in the early mid-20s. So, and they're absolutely right. If you don't really understand what was going on at the time politically, socially, economically, the story is not going to have near as much meaning right. to you. So I just wrote down a few bullet points on just kind of just what was going on during this era. So the first and most important thing was World War One, the first war of its kind anyone had ever known had just known had just ended in nineteen nineteen. So it's super important to understand, think about it, this is the first World War and they're just coming off of it. So think how devastating that was to have never even known a world war. And they're just coming off that 1919. All right. Warren G. Harding, he was the president in 1920. And his administration was plagued by scandal and corruption. So I think that might have had some influence on Fitzgerald's uh, writing. Not the 1920s boasted great financial gain, at least for those of the upper class. How much do they talk about the upper class in this book? Uh, between 1920, now listen to this, Joy. I think this is so interesting. Between, between 1922 and 1929, dividends from stock rose by 108%. Corporate profits increased by 76%. And personal wages grew by 33%. So people were experiencing more wealth than they ever had in a short period of time, I Exactly, guess. exactly. All this would come to a grinding halt, however, with the stock market crash of 1929, which we know that sent the U.S. into the greatest depression ever known. 
Fitzgerald, of course, couldn't have forecasted the crash, but in The Great Gatsby, he does suggest on one level, society was living in, living in an excess, and without curbing its appetite somewhat, run was just around the corner. Did Okay, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. Was this book written before or after the, the... 25. 1925. So four years before the okay, stock market. Okay, before the stock yeah. market So like, it's like what they were just saying... Right. He didn't. He didn't know that was right. going to happen. But they say if you really read the book closely, there are glimpses that he's he's hinting that we can't continue this and excessive right. way of life. Something's it's got it. Something's going to something's give. Something's going to give. Yeah. yeah. So and you were just talking about they had great. You mentioned um, you know the great increase in wealth in a short amount of time. And it said during this time there was rampant materialism. People were buying cars, radios, telephones, refrigerators at a rate never before seen. Uh, recreation and leisure and professional sports began to grow in popularity. Movies and tabloid newspapers gained a foothold in America, helping everyone to share in one way or another in the growing materialism that categorized the jazz age. So basically think materialism. That's what I think of now. So are we well, replicating yeah. in our 20s? We're replicating because I saw a YouTube video the other day that talked about how we were at an all hot a time high in consumerism. You're talking about wow, more that's specifically the United me. I just States. kind of thought things were tight right now. Uh, they said not. we're at an all-time high in uh, yeah consumerism as far as materialism, mm-hmm. buying things. Because I've been watching all these decluttering videos. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of these people bring up all these statistics about how much mm-hmm. we buy, how much well, Americans. And, and I it's was, mainly about Americans. I was so. donating some stuff at Savers the other day. That's our local thrift, Goodwill, Goodwill yeah. type store. And you wouldn't believe the amount of junk people were taking there. And it was just like people had truckloads of mm-hmm. stuff. And I thought, this is uh, this is us. This is our s- society. We have so much stuff. Mm-hmm. We literally can donate truckloads of items, know. you know. What I read was a lot of these Goodwill stores, they don't have room for it. The people are mm. donating so much stuff. They don't have room for it all. And they're having to keep it in storage and having to pay for these storage units. Oh, wow. That does not surprise me. So this does mirror. I feel like this day, this the twenty, the roaring twenties is uh, that we're mirroring yeah. the twenties. Now this next one is not true of today, but it talks about prohibition. That was a a really big thing going on in the twenties was the Prohibition Act, and it was enacted in nineteen nineteen, and with that also you saw an uptick in organized crime. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, and trust me, I'm all for it. I would love it if no one ever got killed again in a drug driving accident, mm-hmm. you know? I think of all the tragedies that occur from people, you know, drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. But look what happened when they tried to uh, make it illegal. Mm-hmm. It just bumped up the crime in other areas. Like you right. said, organized crime, and it made it more... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They had, uh, they had unintended consequences of the prohibition, for sure. And uh, it kind of made, I don't know that it made things better. I don't know if it might have made things worse, you know? I don't know. So another um, attribute of this age was, it was an age of great rebellion. There was rebellion among young men returning from war and the women they returned to. Because the women had been out working while the men were at war. Well, the men come home and the women said, wait a minute. I liked my income. Mm-hmm. I liked my independence, and they didn't want to go back to the way things right. were before. And the men, after being overseas, uh, they said they come back from all these overseas countries, and they're like, "Wait a minute! I don't think I want to go back to the way things were before." Right. They they didn't like the staunch, you know, what they saw as restrictive type rules and things. Right. Now so, we're going yeah, definitely. I would definitely say the war changed the way people lived for sure. Yeah, and I want to talk about women for just a second and. The, but women were getting rights to vote. 
they, and they said women were doing things never even heard of before. They were bobbing their hair. That was an act of independence mm-hmm. to show, hey, I don't have to have long hair just because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. They gave up. They gave up wearing corsets. They smoked. They drank, and they relaxed their attitudes towards sex. So um, Fitzgerald's story, even though it's fiction, uh, they said it's very important to remember that it is informed by reality, and that is one of the reasons it's one of the most treasured pieces of early early 20th century American fiction because he's taking all these things that are going on in society during his time and he's and he's able to capture them in such a way and write about them to help us just see that perfect picture of the times and what was going on. So let's talk about the setting of the book for a second. It's set in the 1920s in West Egg, Long Island. Mm-hmm. I think you've already kind of mentioned wow how cool that would be to go and see all the houses and i did a little i did look up on the internet i wanted to see if uh that was an actual place mm-hmm. and do you know have you ever i read an article about f scott fitzgerald did move to a place in long island but i don't mm-hmm. know if it was called west egg or not with his newfound wealth it seems like he did buy a place in long island so what i found out was that uh fitzgerald set his masterpiece in the fictional bayside villages of West Egg and Mm -hmm. East Egg. So they are fictional, but some people think that they uh, geographically correlate to the real-life communities of Great Neck, which would correlate to West Egg, and Port Washington, which would correlate to East Egg. Since the towns match the author's description of the Twin Peninsulas as a pair of enormous eggs that jut out into the great barnyard of the Long Island Sound, which is about 20 miles from Manhattan. Okay. So they, and what's really cool was when they were showing these real life places of the Great Neck in Port Washington, uber wealthy people, you ought to see, they, they showed all these pictures of these huge mansions. And mm-hmm. once I actually saw those mansions and mm-hmm. the grounds, it really did help me visualize, oh, I can kind of see the setting more vividly now, mm-hmm. what it might have been like in the Great Gatsby. So I thought we just would real quickly discuss just a few of the characters so you know just to kind of give the listeners an idea of that just who the main characters were and kind of how they relate to the story so jay gatsby can you just kind of give us a brief who was jay gatsby well now that i've done a lot of research well not a lot mm-hmm. but i've done some research on f scott fitzgerald and his wife zelda mm-hmm. um now i think jay gatsby represents f scott fitzgerald oh okay. i never saw that before but, I just meant who was the character. Oh, I'm but, sorry. No, that's okay. okay. I think that's well, interesting to hear I, that. He's a guy who came from pretty much nothing, maybe middle class, lower middle class, mm-hmm. and then kind of has this made-up story of aristocracy, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he goes in the army. He falls in love with this girl, and she basically um, won't marry him because he's not wealthy, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's basically what we were saying before the podcast is what happened to F. Scott Fitzgerald. He met and fell in love with Zelda. I can't think of her maiden name. They said it a million times. Oh, they did the, say it. Uh, in the show we watched. Is it Sayers? Sayers, maybe? Yeah. Something with an S. I can't remember. And she told him, you know, I'm not marrying you unless you have some money, basically, until you sell that book you keep saying you're writing and going to sell. And it's true. She did not meet, She would not marry him until he sold that first book and made some money so to me jay gatsby is uh basically represents uh f scott fitzgerald and so jay gatsby is a man who came from nothing and now has major money Mm -hmm. and but he doesn't really extravagant wealth extravagant wealth Mm -hmm. but and he's pining for this girl that he couldn't marry her because he didn't have any money she wouldn't have him because he didn't have any money Mm -hmm. then he went out and made his great fortune but his the love of his life daisy is Mm -hmm. already married Mm -hmm. and so 
now he's pining away for her and trying to find a way to get back to her. And, and he actually yeah. moves uh, mm-hmm. and, and buys a house across the water or the sound from her mm-hmm. just so he can be near her, and he helps to run into her yes. by doing that. Yes, and so now yeah. that's what the story is. He's trying to reconnect with her and win her love back, and he thinks, you know, oh, I have this great wealth now. I can win her back. So what's so interesting about Jay Gatsby, the main character, is or the protagonist in this story um he's this uber wealthy man but nobody knows anything about him Mm -hmm. and he's very mysterious and he throws these great luxurious parties like the parties probably cost thousands of dollars just for the liquor alone and everything but yet he kind of he really does not partake in the parties. He kind of stands aside. Mm-hmm. He's more of an, of an observer. He's a mysterious he's, figure. He's a mysterious figure. No one knows where he came from, how he gets his money. And it's it's a privilege to even been invited to one of his yes. parties. So and I what think we that was really out cool. Is the reason he's throwing these parties is hoping that Daisy will show up one day. Right. But to me, that was what piqued my interest was, who is this guy? Right. Why is he throwing these big parties Why that he doesn't partake of? Why would you throw these extravagant of? parties and not even partake mm-hmm. of them? They say, you know, he basically would, you might look at him, he might be on a balcony overlooking the party, and then he'll go back into his study. You mm-hmm. might catch glimpses of him. Exactly. Now, Nick Carraway, he's another important character of the book. He's actually the story's narrator. Um, he has a small house that he rents next to Gatsby's mansion, and it just so happens that he happens to be the cousin of Daisy Buchanan, which is Gatsby's um, love interest. Love interest, yeah. yeah. Love. So that's how he um, that's how he fits in the story. Is he's the narrator and he's Daisy's cousin. So Daisy Buchanan, who you already mentioned, she's beautiful and mesmerizing. I was reading her <laughs> the description of her, but she was actually had a privileged upbringing in Louisville, and she's married to this guy named Tom, who's actually a big bully, and he's he has you know he's very arrogant. He's kind of a bully. He thinks he's better than other people. Um, born into wealth. Born, he's he's uh, very wealthy. Very wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And so Tom, you know, like I said, Tom Buchanan is her husband. And um, but what's funny about Tom is he's married to Daisy, who Gatsby loves. But yet he's openly, he's an open adulterer mm-hmm. and he has affairs with, they said he has numerous affairs with other women. He's openly having an affair with a lady that and her he husband, doesn't try too hard yeah. to hide it. Mm-hmm. He tries to hide it a little bit from Daisy, but he's very open about it in front of Nick. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so basically you've got Jay Gatsby, his love interest Daisy and her husband Tom, along with Daisy's cousin Nick, who's the narrator, and then Myrtle Wilson, which is Tom Buchanan's mistress okay and then myrtle's actually married to george wilson who owns a gas station and then in the book they kind of represent the lower class you know they represent the lower class i think nick caraway kind of represents the middle class and then of course jay gatsby they kind of represent the upper ultra wealthy but if you haven't read this book i'm not going to do a spoiler or anything but just basically just to tie this all together they are all intertwined in this story and toward the end of the book, a, a tragedy happens, uh, someone is killed, the wrong person is blamed, then that person, something happens to that. And there's just all these, it's a chain reaction of mm-hmm. events, all because uh, of an afternoon they had that they went out drinking and driving and mm-hmm. anyway. So it's, it's it truly is a tragic book, mm-hmm. if you think about it. It really is a sad statement. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, this they live these lives of excess and they have everything they could ever want, but yet none of them seem truly happy. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because in my mind, the overall impression of the book for me, just the, the, uh, the void. I felt like mm-hmm. they all had this huge void in their life that they're all 
very wealthy with nothing to do. Yeah. And it was... They didn't have purpose. They had... Exactly. They had purpose. They had no purpose. And because they were wealthy, they, they felt like they could just act any way they wanted to. They could treat people any way they wanted to. Because as long as you've got money and wealth and power, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. how you treat other people. And the only person in the book that really seemed to have any morals was Nick Carraway. Yes. He's the the only one that seemed to have a conscience or morals. Yeah. And one thing, uh, just a couple more things and we're going to close, but uh, I thought this was so interesting. I've read several articles about F. Scott Fitzgerald and in this book particularly, about displaced spirituality. And I was thinking, what is displaced spirituality? I don't even know what that is. But they're basically talking about how sometimes an author can talk about spirituality by not talking about it. And by Mm -hmm. just, uh, there's a lot of things that happen in the book that are pointing you to the fact, but he's not actually coming out and saying it, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. There was definitely an absence. I never saw anything that mentioned God or Christians or even... Mm -hmm. Yes. Any type of there was no type of morality. It seems like there was no mention of. Uh, it was almost like what, what would happen if God was completely removed from a society? Yes, they would just yes. it would every everyone would just live a life a life of how do you say it? debauch debauchery debauchery yeah. yeah. So the, I actually wrote hedonism that, is kind of what I'm yeah, thinking too. Yeah. It just felt like that that no one lives. it felt like no one was truly happy and that it was it, just all about of of fulfilling myself mm-hmm. and. Eat, drink, be merry. Yeah. Don't care who you hurt on the way. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Nick was the only one that seemed to have a conscience. Everyone or... was, and there a lot of shallowness. People yeah. were very shallow. So this is what I was going to tell you. I thought this was really interesting. It says it is interesting to note that although the seven deadly sins are depicted time and time again by the people in the Great Gatsby: pride, envy, wrath, sloth, avarice, gluttony, and lust. The theological counterpart to the seven deadly sins, the seven cardinal virtues, faith, hope, love, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, are nearly invisible. In The Great Gatsby, Fitzgerald presents a world in which value systems have gone out of balance. He is not espousing a heavy-handed Christian message, but rather he is encouraging readers to stop and take inventory of their lives. Although some may see Fitzgerald as implying a return to God is necessary for survival, the text supports something far more subtle. Fitzgerald is urging a reconsideration of where society is and where it's going. Wow, that's deep. Yeah, I but thought that's so. That's good. Um, see, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what I thought he was trying to say. Yeah, I think to me what he was trying to say was, yeah, you can have all the money in the world and you can just live for pleasure but what? Where is it going to take you? And are you ever going to be happy? And in this case, yeah, what is the what's the end result? The end result is death and destruction, mm-hmm. basically, and uh, death, destruction, depression. Just the list goes on. Yeah. So, any last thoughts before we close? I mean, I mean, obviously, I think we would both recommend people to read the book. Yeah. Um, I would say. What helped me to understand the book a lot better is I found this mini-series on Netflix called Zelda. Or, I'm sorry, it's not called Zelda. It's called Z, the beginning of everything. Mm -hmm. And it's all based on the life of Zelda, which is uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife. And um, I just want to say that that series, I learned more about F. Scott Fitzgerald, and I learned more about Zelda. And I know it was fiction, but, you know, it's supposed to be based on 
things that really happened. But I just learned so much about that time period and what their relationship was like. And they had a very, very tumultuous relationship. They were very toxic. They did not need to be together. They were both very creative people. But I'll just say this too, Angie, and I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot here, but... The last thing I want to say is, boy, some of the articles I've read make F. Scott Fitzgerald out to be just kind of a monster. They had, um, she wanted to paint and write, and she was a very creative, artistic person, and he just sounded like he discouraged her a lot. You know, as always, my writing comes first, and you can do what you want, but you're not good enough to ever be published. You know, I know you write, you know, but you're not good enough to be published. And many things I've read said she probably wasn't good enough, but still he discouraged her. And I just feel bad that she was kind of in a relationship and a marriage that she felt like she couldn't express herself creatively. And I just thought that was sad. Okay, so... Uh the last thing I was going to say was you mentioned the series Zelda and unfortunately got canceled after the first season. I know. I hate that because yeah. I wanted to see how they were going to portray them the second um, season. You know, I loved that miniseries and I thought, um, wh- what's her name? Zelda? No, the the actress who played her. Oh, uh, uh, Mia? No. Christina Ricci. Oh, uh, Christina Ricci? I think Ricci? it's Ricci? Christina Ricci. Whoever it was, she did a phenomenal job yeah, portraying did. her. But I just want to warn everyone. I just felt like there was some things in there that was more than R-rated. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I felt like they did. it was not... It totally did not have to be there. They, they yeah. could have done so many things. But As they, always, yeah. they... Put stuff in there that does not. We still get the idea of what's yes, going on. Yes. Without them being so they explicit. were trying to show that they like lived they this life, a of life of debauchery. debauchery. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm like, okay, we get it, but you don't have to actually show some yeah, of the things you show. Yeah, you can leave yeah. stuff to the imagination. Exactly. So definitely does yeah. not. So I just want to warn, and it, and I even saw it said 16 and up, and I was thinking, why? Well, then I realized why. Yeah. And it's a shame because it's a great storyline. It really mm-hmm. shows you that she was larger than life. She was. Just, you know, it makes you realize, wow, she was just as interesting as he was, if right, not more. if not more in some yeah. ways, yeah. So, how many Gatsby's do you give this book? So, I'm going to give it four Gatsby's. Okay. I think I am, too. I'm going to give it four Gatsby's. So, um, I don't really have much else to say about the book other than I do recommend it because I do think there are... There is some value in the book mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have uh, stuck around this long and have such staying power yeah. if there wasn't. And it has some beautiful writing in mm-hmm. it. It really does. There's we didn't have time to get our passages together, but there are some pretty passages in there. There's some yeah. pretty writing in there. So. Uh, who knows? Maybe in the near future we can read a couple and just tag them onto the end of this yeah, podcast. That's true. So, yeah. all right. Well, I guess that's all we have for now, and we will see you next time on Twin, Twin Talk. Talk.